Hey, one more thing before you go. Today we're going to take a journey that will forever change the way you perceive the Catholic Church. We're going to have a conversation with a woman who uncovered the hidden history of women in the Catholic Church, a revelation that's been concealed for centuries. She's a devout member of the Catholic Lady who experienced a profound sense of betrayal when she stumbled upon a dark secret that the church hierarchy has kept hidden for far too long. In this episode, we'll shine a light on the scandal of lies and cover-ups, the exposing of the truth that millions of Catholics are completely unaware of. Stay tuned. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Margaret Mary O'Connor. She's been called the modern-day David on many occasions. She's on a mission to reveal carefully guarded secrets of the Catholic Church. She unveils the truth through her well-researched writings and more. Margaret has made it her mission to reveal the truth of your Catholic Church. In this time of church upheaval, O'Connor is the author of Scandal in the Shadows, as well as a podcast. She's uncovered secrets that were conveniently buried away in hopes that they would never see the light of day. Not only is she an author, but she's a podcast host of the show, Scandal in the Shadow. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Oh, I'm glad to be here, Michael. You know, what an amazing journey that um, you've embarked on in this life. And uh, I think that you bringing, um, we all want to undercover secrets, right? Everybody wants to know what the secret is. And, oh, definitely. You know, it's kind of, I think, an innate, we all this profound desire to, to uncover secrets. What, I, I mean, I, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, there's a lot to cover and so forth, but I kind of like to start at the beginning in, in my journeys with, uh, with you. Can I, can I explore a little bit about where you grew up? Sure. Um, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and um, I come from an Irish Catholic family background. And of course, the Catholic Church to us was a very important, very important part of our um, lives. And what had happened was at one uh, <clears throat> a birthday party for my brother Paul, my mother gave him a cardboard replica of a church altar. So Paul immediately began to be the priest. And my twin sister, Pat, and myself, he told us to grab chairs and we sat down in front of the, the altar pretending we were parishioners. And I guess everything was going pretty good until a certain point, and I was only about four or five. I remember I said, Paul, I want to be the priest. And then, of course, he said, no, you're girls. Only men can be priests. So right from that very uh, early point in my life, I certainly began to realize, gee, there's a difference in the church for what boys can do and what women can do. And then we'll take it about a month later beyond that. My mother was a church organist, and um, after the choir practice, she said, would you girls like to go down and stand on the altar? Well, this is going back in the 1950s, and women, really, you just weren't up on the altar. So we got excited, and my twin sister had her chance, and then it was my turn. And I remember I'm getting myself situated, standing like in the center behind the altar, looking out into the church, and I had the thought, gee, this must really be neat on weekends when the church is packed. Uh, and all of a sudden I heard this gruff voice, what are those girls doing on the altar? Well, it turned out it was the Monsignor, who was my mom's boss, so I was starting to get nervous. And my mother wasn't one to rock the boat, but she did say to him, she said, Father, oh, that's right, they're not allowed on the altar uh, unless they're cleaning it. Well, he, his face got red, he turned around and he left the church. But it was just such an unfortunate, really an awful situation that here you're treating these young girls, you know, like we're villains or something. And uh, that was another memory that 
really struck in my mind. And I guess from those experiences onward, I was on a quest or a journey throughout my life to simply find out, were there ever women Catholic priests within our church's history? So and that's that an amazing. So it's, um, it's interesting to know that, I mean, I grew up Catholic. I, you and I had this conversation prior to uh, starting the show. Right. And, you know, and understanding the hierarchy of the Catholic, the Catholic Church and how it works and how it how the protocols are put into place there. You know, um, obviously, I, I, I didn't grow up in the 50s, but I did grow up in the 60s and, and beyond. So I remember as a child going in there and, and having to watch everything and how everybody had to be act be and act a certain way while you were in church. You know, the the most of the most of the women were wearing head covers or hats, or some yeah. my mother always wore a hat. My grandmother always wore a hat whenever they went in there. Um, my grandmother actually wore hat and gloves when she. Oh, that's right. You would see the white gloves too. Yeah, yeah. Back in the fifties, yes, the white yeah. gloves. So yeah, th those those are my memories from that perspective, but it's it you obviously you were presented with an opportunity to especially at a young age like that to really understand what you really wanted to do when you as you got older so um did you i know you went to i know you went to university but did you as you grew up and uh, as you progressed in your career your academic career when you left high school did you go to university at that time or did you go at a later date Oh, after high school, I went, um, you know, into college. And then um, it was beyond that point that um, you get to like midlife and I, middle life, you know, I thought, gee, maybe I'm going to take some more classes and I'm going to go out to the seminary. And they have an excellent research library, but boy, my naivete really showed that I was going to think I was going to find something, you know, in that particular library. But after um, I happened to receive my pastoral ministry degree there, and then it was after that point, I just kept doing more private research. Uh, what I mean is I just kept reading book after book. And finally, this is when I found that the information that we'll be talking about today you cannot find it in the Bible. It comes from biblical research. And a former Catholic priest, <clears throat> John Vingegaards, he wrote a book, and it was in that book. There's a chapter on Mary, Mother of God. He did all this hard research, and I, but I'm reading it, and I'm reading... Mary, mother of God, was a woman priest? Well, I'll tell you, Michael, I got so excited. I threw the book up in the air. Then, of course, I had to gather it up and find my page again. Did I really just see what I saw? And I was just so excited. But then the realization came to me, well, why wasn't I told this by my church? And after, as I grew up through my um, teenage years, 20s, I was asking every and any priest I saw, whether they were from my parish, different parishes, um, were there ever women priests in the church? Because in the interim, I was hearing other women conversations saying that, yes, there are women priests that were within our history, and they had heard this from a woman of other um, denominations. So I'll tell you, it's very unsettling to come to that realization. You can call it being lied to, being betrayed, whatever you want to mince the words. It's just an awful feeling. It's an I, awful I... realization. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a deception, in my opinion. I think that um, you know the they deceived the masses in understanding of what part women played. When you in religion, actually, 
Um, when you went to college and you got your degree, when you came out of high school, uh, it, just to clarify something, you, you went in for pastoral ministry in college? Oh, this was after I went to the university. This is about oh, 25 years 25 later. Years then later. I went back and I took a, a pastoral ministry at Christ the King Seminary in a suburb of Buffalo, East Aurora, New York. And this is a very sad story. There was so much corruption there in regard to the priest sexual abuse issue that that seminary is no longer open. In other words, what was going on by priests that were there in relationship to seminarians, and we don't have to go any further. I mean, it was just atrocious. And yeah, it was it, so bad that it's closed down. Yeah, sad, it's a sad period of time. Um, I mean, although there are obviously, and again, we won't go in really in depth, but um, with with the whole Catholic Church over the last number of probably what 20, 20 years has really, really been hit hard with all of the allegations that have come out within, and they've right. gone after bishops and and all the way down from bishops down to priests and and it just very disappointing. Uh, from that perspective, I think, and and again goes back to deceit, deception, because they were hiding it, and so there's a foundation there. Unfortunately, from from what I understand and from what I experienced, there's a deception there um, with a a pattern of deception. Oh, this was definite. I mean, this just went on for centuries. Yeah, which is really and uh, again, how they use the <clears throat> word scandal can't have a scandal that's why we we couldn't come forward with this pre-sexual abuse we have to protect the church yeah. and what it comes down to you've probably heard it was the bishop he has a choice he yeah. can look at what his priest did and he can label it as either a sin or a crime and of course if he labels it as a crime that means that priest would have to go to the police station and be booked and fingerprinted and well you know um and then very well there would be a trial but the bishop all these times it never was a crime raping a child was was not a crime it was a sin and i call these bishops enablers so you have the offending priest you have the enabler bishop and higher up cardinals and it, it's so pervasive, it's awful. It's just not, you know, yeah. it's, it, I come from Buffalo, New York. It's not only the Buffalo dioceses. It's whatever dioceses all throughout the U.S. And then yeah. let's go worldwide. Let's yeah, go to a, Ireland. Uh, huge anywhere. network. Huge, huge network. I mean, the Catholic Church, I think, is the, the largest. I mean, look at the Vatican. The Vatican is like the richest country in the world. Oh, in reality, I mean, in in their their reach has gone back centuries. Definitely. And 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 the reach from the Pope has gone out centuries. This particular Pope that's here today, I have I have more respect for this individual than I have in previous popes. Oh yes, he reminds me in a sense like Pope John the Twenty Third, who initiated Vatican II to open up the windows of the church. Yeah. And they did biblical research there that brought the mass that we currently have in the Catholic Church. It's the earliest to what the first Christians experienced. I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, may I ask, uh, I know that um, you, in your early, in your early life and, and onward, um, you were drawn towards ministry of some type. Um, in this question, uh, just just a question. Uh, any particular reason why you you didn't like go towards the nun, just being a nun? And what's the difference between? Help our our viewers and our listeners understand the difference between a nun and and a priest, for example. Please. Oh sure, um, a nun, a sister, um, a religious Catholic woman. They are not which the church terms as or ordination. They haven't been ordained. 
so they cannot go up on an altar like and say a mass. Um, they can't give the last rites. Um, again, going back to the mass, they couldn't like consecrate the uh, bread and wine. Uh, there's a there's a huge distinction there, and these women really they obey their their vows of poverty, uh, chastity. Not that again, that's a whole other hidden thing that unfortunately is coming out that this uh, sexual abuse did also uh, occur in cases regarding religious sisters, and I was a really in shock. I never even conceived that. Um, it's just starting to come out. Um, but going back to, they, they, these sisters have started all these like food uh, pantries for the poor. They're basically out there on the line. They're, to me, they're the closest thing to Jesus, seriously, because they're out there in the everyday trenches. They're not sitting in, uh, oh, in the case of the bishops, usually have some type of a mansion or an expensive house, and they're given the best of food and whatever. Um, and again, so if you're listening and think I'm bashing the church, I love the Catholic Church, but I do not like what I call these so-called religious men that their ministry is the furthest thing from um, what Jesus Christ was. Yeah, I, I agree and, with you. I, I do agree with you. Uh, the, the, re, the reality is is that that it it's all. And when I say this again, I'm not trying to. I'm not bashing the church either, but it's almost a hypocrisy. They can yes. they can go up and wear the nice the robes and the the jewels and the nice. You know they have the like you said the nice homes the nice everything they're given what they what they feel that they need for their position and present that with their position but then the people who who really have a devout desire to serve uh have to take a vow of poverty and to live among the poor and to to work the trenches basically and to me that's not yeah i i'm with you on that um, if I could say, just say a real quick note that in looking at uh, other religions, for example, you, you wanted to be a priest and we had mentioned it, and I think I had asked you before we started about uh, how many different, how many other religions allow for women in the ministry. Uh, to me, this, from this perspective, this is also hypocrisy because if all these other religions that I'm about to list off here allow women to come in and serve, and women can serve in that capacity to lead a congregation of some type, to leave a ser lead a service in any mm -hmm. form. You know, the, there shouldn't be that degree of separation. If, if, if you are there for a purpose to spread the word, and you are there to deliver a message, and you are there to support and engage and connect with, with uh, those people in a religious way, in a spiritual way, it should not be garnered as to whether or not you're a woman or a man. It should oh, be. And Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. It is such a disparity. We are baptized with the same words, the holy uh, oil, the same as a little baby boy. And we know we get to the point we receive the Eucharist uh, confirmation, and it's like there's that line. You can't go any further. Yep. And... Jesus's own words, I, I guess I'm always at a loss of words. Jesus said uh, back, uh, it was 127 um, in, in Genesis, in the divine image, God created them female and male. God made them. So why are we having this argument that women were not created in the image of God, and believe it or not, there were five explicit reasons that the church still says today are all biblical in reason and why any woman can't be a priest. And that first one is the image of God. And then secondly, that woman can't teach. 
And yet at that time, there was actually like a civil law. And it said, oh, we can't have women out there talking out in the public. They are so feeble-minded. They are so emotionally unstable. That's not biblical. And no. then the third one was they go way back in Genesis. Of course, Eve, she created all everything that uh, Adam wasn't involved. It was all Eve's fault. It, and, it's archaic. Yes, and women uh, can't be priests because they are not perfect. But miraculously within the church, the men were the ones that were perfect. They had no sin. And then, of course, you look back and uh, Jesus uh, with the 12 apostles named 12 men, not 12 women. But yeah. really, Michael, when you think of it back, and even John Vingegaard said, ancient Israel was purely patristic. And I'm just saying, if he would have named 12 women instead of 12 men, he would have been run off of some cliff. And then finally, um, if you're going to do the consecration, you you have to be in the image of a male like Jesus. So because I, I can, but the thing that gets me is why can't the Vatican come out and say, look at, <clears throat> we're sorry. It's been proven through biblical research. These five steps are not points rather are not biblical at all. But yet today, they're still used as explicit reasons why any woman can't become a priest. Well, it, it's, it's extremely disappointing in, in that regard. You know, it, it's, if I may, um, the congregations that include American, that, in, that include women as ministers are American Baptist, United Methodist, Evangelical Lutheran Church, um, Presbyterian, USA only, which I thought because my mother eventually ended up at a Presbyterian church and she she married the guy that was my stepfather for a long time before he okay. passed. Um, Buddhism, uh, Reformed Conservative, conservative uh, Judaism, and Unitarian, I don't have my glasses on, <laughs> Unitarian <laughs> universities. I'm not sure what Unitarian universities are, but um, realistically, and when I say this, I may get in trouble for making this word, but I've said it before on my show, you know, realistically, in my religious studies, I have learned that, you know, the Bible was written by man and it was written 50 years after Jesus died. Correct me if I'm wrong. In that particular instance, it's a storytelling to storytelling to storytelling. And what got put in this Bible, um, depending upon who was king and who was pope, things got removed and things got put back in. Definitely. And in regard, I'm sorry? I said definitely. Yes. So in regard to that, it's a situation that, in, in, at least in my opinion, I feel that within that, who, we have lost what the actual meaning was supposed to be in the first place because of that. You know, if, if a king decided, King James, King James, they could read, they called the King James Bibles because he went in and he said, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this, add this. Mm -hmm. You know, the scribes that actually did that. I mean, again, who were they working under? Or if not, they might have been upset and oh, we don't want women. Yeah, I mean, seriously. Exactly. That, and then the way, and then there's like also the translation. You know, yes. like going from Greek to Latin, whatever. Um, it can get messy. Yes, it, it, <laughs> it. I, I have to. <laughs> I have to say this out loud because I, I can almost, I can almost be a, a feminist from the male perspective, because if you really, and people out there, you really need to think about this. If we didn't have women in our life, we wouldn't be here. Whether you're a man or you're a woman, whatever you happen to be, you wouldn't be here without a woman. And in that, that is made in an equal. I'm gonna, and, and forgive me. For saying it this way, a man and a woman create children. If you weren't equal, you wouldn't create that child equally. 50% of me, 50% of my wife. That's how it works. No, it's common sense, but believe it or not, this is very interesting. 
if you go way back, like to the time of St. Thomas and that, the belief was that woman, as far as procreation went, it was all the male sperm, and the woman was basically an incubator. And, and that was it. The seed was there, but she had nothing. Of course, it was the man. Yeah. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it seems to me that the creation of, of where we're at today, unfortunately, in, in some ways, society has made progression, but society is also taking a step back recently. Yes, is, in the Catholic Church, we are definitely back in forget the medieval ages, we're in the dark ages. Exactly. And I mean, we can laugh about this, but seriously, when we have a church that won't even change, um, it's proven, biblical research has proven that there were women priests, bishops, deacons, and the most important woman priest was Mary, Mother of God. And what a role model for any young girl today yeah. to have. And back in 1903, which, I mean, considering 2,000 years of church history, that's pretty yeah. recent, um, there was a Pope Leo XIII, and he was able to hang a picture of um, Mary, uh, Mother of God. And she was, um, you know, in priestly attire. But 1913, you could see changes were um, upon us because this no longer was allowed. Then what happened, Michael, believe it or not, back in 1926, all of a sudden there was to be no devotion to Mary, Mother of God. And if you go over to yourradicaltruth.com, YourRadicalTruth.com, um, that is um, where you can find more information, you know, about um, Mary, Mother of God. And in fact, I have a chapter in there that I'm offering, that uh, chapter four, that uh, you can read on. But Mary, Mother of God, people are saying, oh, come on, that's maybe just an honorary title. No, when... Mary, when Jesus was conceived, Mary received the same blessing from the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself was not ordained. Mary, mother of God, was not ordained, but she is the second priest after Jesus. And I just wish, uh, if you could see the, the picture on the title of my book here, you look at that picture, and there's a picture of Mary, Mother of God, and she's in priestly attire. And it's time that we have to realize this is something that it's not a scandal. I mean, it's wonderful for any woman today. Your rights for centuries have been taken away. You deserve to be a woman priest. And in fact, back in 1976, the Pope's Commission, it's called Pontifical Biblical Commission. They emphatically said, there's no biblical reason why woman can't be ordained. So my question is, why do we even need a synod? The church came out in 1976 and said there's no biblical reason to prohibit woman's ordination. This is a hierarchy that won't even follow its own commission's findings. Let's jump back to 1974 and a Sister Chris Schenk mentioned an international uh, biblical commission and supposedly this was brought about by uh, Pope Paul VI and one of the members said the research came out and they found that definitively there were woman deacons uh, within the Catholic Church's history. So why then, if they would have acted on those findings, there never would have been any need for Pope Francis to initiate the 2016-2020 uh, look into this issue of woman deacons. 
and go even further back, the three Greek studies, they were like all in agreement. And they said whether you were a man or a woman, if uh, you were to be ordained as a deacon, you were right up on the altar. You were in the presence of the bishop who would obviously pray over them. He would put their hands over them. They would each receive a stole around their neck and as well the cup to drink from. And there are times, if you look back within the history, it contradicts these men saying there never were women priests, bishops, deacons. Because uh, in reference to the deacons, there was this canon lawyer and uh, Gratian, and, and he um, had this uh, book of laws, it was called the De Kratum. And in there, it explicitly mentioned that there were women deaconesses, women deacons, and uh, presbytery, in other words, priests. So that was pretty embarrassing because you had this whole thing going on in the Middle Ages. The canon lawyers were saying, look, at, there never were women uh, deacons, and yet the Council of Chalcedon believed that there were women uh, deacons. But this whole thing is just ridden with... There's holes in their story. <laughs> yes. um, could you help it, that our viewers and, and our listeners understand what a deacon is? Yes, a deacon uh, is a person that can uh, perform baptisms. They can uh, do readings. They, they can read the gospel. They can give a um, homily which is like a talk after the gospel. Uh, they can uh, officiate uh, at uh, funerals and masses. Uh, they can baptize um, babies. Um, they're on their way to really becoming a priest if they take their, their um, study further. Because any priest uh, that starts out like in the seminary, at a certain point, they become a deacon. And then beyond that, they become a stone. Yes. I've got so many things I want to say, and it's all coming out through uh, gibberish. <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, this is a confusing topic, to say the least. <laughs> well, not just confusing it, but it's also there are so many questions. There are so many things. Since you had began your research in regard to all of this that's going on, the, the first time that you, you, when you read the book and you found what you found, do you feel, how often do you think somebody would find the material in the book like what you found? Is that, there's something that has been hidden away that they, uh, they ultimately, I guess, um, really act in order to hide that book with that information? Um, do you think there's you, a... You would, uh, if you didn't know that that book existed, um, and, and particularly, it was in, in the later chapters before it came upon, you know, uh, you, you wouldn't know that. And of course, the Catholic Church isn't going to divulge any of these books. Now, the one I talked about was the hidden history of a woman uh, priest in the Catholic Church. There's another book by Gary Macy, The Hidden History of Woman's Ordination. And then there's just so many other women um, researchers, um, Dorothy Irwin, and uh, then there was another woman. Oh my God, her name is escaping me, but I found this fascinating. Uh, Ida Ramming, the, the, uh, the concept of, of the 12 apostles, and she came across this concept. We all think of Jesus and then there was just 12 male apostles. Every time we hear it, we have this vision of Jesus sending just 12 males out only. It's called the concept of apostleship. And what she found is, who is an apostle? An apostle is anyone that is divinely sent out either by the divine one himself or a particular community. And then when you get into the biblical research, there was uh, an apostle called Junia. And I know it sounds like, it does sound like a woman. It, indeed, she is a woman apostle. 
And then that gives credence that there are beyond men. There's woman apostles. There was obviously Mary Magdalene. I was going to ask there about that. There was Susanna. There were the woman yeah. at the tomb. There was Nino. And of course, these aren't everyday names because that's a whole other avenue in our church that's missing is a woman's, the lectionary readings. Yeah. Isn't that convenient? Because it would be very embarrassing for the hierarchy to, if if all these openings, uh, excuse me, readings, you know, of women were upon us, well, there's going to be some embarrassing things coming out there. People are going to realize, geez, these women did other things. They were actually in priestly positions. Yeah, I I, I was going to ask you about Mary Magdalene. I've heard rumor that there was a um, a book like a book of John, book of Thomas, uh, a book of Bob Hall, a book of Mary, Mary Magdalene, but it was removed and hidden. Do you know anything? Oh, yes. They, they, that? That, was, that was in like, also like you mentioned, the book of Thomas, the book of Philip. There, there, there's a number of these and they were called yeah. non-canonical. And again, here it was at the discretion of whoever the Pope was or whoever was in charge specifically. Right that they had this information. And again, it would be, a, I'm again here, Subjective. I don't know, but I'm surmising it would be uh, uh, an, an issue, you know, because if you don't have these, uh, these books have things in them that are gonna go against what you're saying, if you're in yeah. charge, or well, it's easier, obviously, if they're not there in the present for anyone to uh, see them, let alone read them. I agree with that. I mean, I have not studied to the extent that you have studied, but I did take a long time in, in studying and understanding religions from different perspectives. You know, when I told you early on mm -hmm. when my mother was seeking a, a, a landing place, basically, we went to Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Church, Nazarene, we went to Presbyterian, we went to, we went to everything that we could get into. We didn't, we didn't, obviously she didn't go to a Mormon church because you, you just, their rules, you can't just go in and mm -hmm. check it out. Um, <clears throat> but she checked out a number of churches. The commonality that I found through that as a, from personal experience as a child growing up through that and with that was that each one of those church organizations kind of had a different version of the Bible. There were certain things in each one of those. The Presbyterian Bible said things in one way. The Nazarene Bible said things another way. You know, the the Presbyterian Bible said things a little bit differently. And, it, you know, kind of adjusted. If, uh, you know, I, as a child, I noticed, I mean, a child and a teenager, you know, I started noticing these things that, you know, they were worded just a little bit differently to kind of fit mm -hmm. the ideals of the religious organization that, that they were in at that time, whether it be, again, Presbyterian or Baptist or, or Catholic, right. whatever they happen to be. Which, you know, I find it interesting from that perspective and understanding that the Bible was written later on and that the whole thing that we just talked about earlier, that, the, you know, the popes were subjective with what they wanted to include in certain things and removing and, and, and including. Same thing with the kings. They would remove and include and, and such. Do you feel that the Catholic Church overall, in, in we, don't, we don't have to leave this in here if it's an inappropriate question, do you feel um, overall that there's been a, theoretically a conspiracy theory within the Catholic Church to suppress everything that doesn't move them forward in their ideal situation and keeping men up on the altar and leaving women out? I don't see it as a conspiracy theory, but unfortunately it's, it's something that, I don't know, ingrained is the right word to use it's been this culture and culture, it, that's it probably a better truly word. come over the centuries and unfortunately it's just ingrained. been very stagnated and then unfortunately with uh, pope john paul ii and pope um, ratzinger uh that was awful our church really we, we had that opening in the 60s, and it would have been a lot of times for the Pope to die because what he started never got 
able to take off. Right. And there's like another big, well, not controversy, but there's so many people um, that it has to be the Latin Mass. And the Latin Mass, it can be beautiful. But I think, unfortunately, when Vatican II came out, they should have had like Vatican 101 or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, to alert the average Catholic. Because if you didn't have a pastor that was open and explained it, yeah. I mean, you know, you were... So, so much to me was lost there. And then now there's people that are thinking, well, Vatican II, they're the ones, they took my Latin away. Uh, everything went to English. But when you think of it, what was there before Latin in the church was Greek. Yeah. Uh, and it's too bad. Um, there's so many Catholics that are like stuck in the 16th century in this high Christology. That's what my, my, I had a wonderful pastor, uh, William Stanton, and he, in fact, had the windows in our church were, had the different uh, constitutions from Vatican II on them. So you can tell I like Vatican II. But it was such a dry, across the barren desert in those years with those two former popes, and I, I'm sorry if I am offending conservative Catholics, but... Um, just remember Vatican II was bringing back the very beginnings of what the Mass was yeah. when Jesus was still alive with the earliest uh, Christian communities. And that's what um, I find fascinating. Like, if we can remember when we first saw the Titanic, when they went down in that like little mini submarine and the lights came on, well, there was no disputing. It was wonderful for experts could tell how exactly the uh, Titanic broke up or whatever they were looking for. Mm -hmm. So then people are saying, well, okay, now come on. Woman priest in the Catholic Church, this biblical research, seriously, how can they do that? They take archaeology, which is the study, a scientific study of uh, artifacts, and they also look at the papyrus, the original uh, papyrus readings back at that time. And they also look into the inscriptions that are on monuments. And it builds a story over time. And it's, it's a pretty exciting story. And I just want any woman to really, um, I know this is a lot to take in at one time, but... I'm just an average, everyday Catholic woman in the laity. And I want my other, other woman, no matter if you're here, if you're in the United States, if you're in Ireland, Austria, the Philippines, South America, wherever you are, you've never heard the story. And I think it's more than time that you understand that your church, Catholic church, really has like a whole other side to it in regards to a history of woman priest. It's not that we're making up this folly and we want to begin something new. We're going back into the history and we want to take what was already there. Um, Pope Francis said we should start a new theology for women. Well, actually that theology was there until the early church fathers changed it with their new canon law and boy michael this was <laughs> what they did was they came out in this canon law and it said that woman priests could no longer be up on the altar yeah up under archaic and it it what it to me this again this is just my opinion i feel mm -hmm. that um to me, is an agenda to suppress women in such a way because they're fearful of the fact that a woman has a powerful voice. And I think that allowing, from their perception, that if they allow women to come up on board up on the altar and and be a priest, be a deacon, the way that they that they should, that. It, 
they think probably maybe somehow it's going to change something for the negative. But in reality, to me, again, I, I feel that coming from a woman's perspective, there's more compassion, there's more humanity, there's more love, there's more understanding, there's more empathy, there's more connectiveness with an audience, with an individual, because it's, it is just innate, you know, as a human being, that you should be able to take those skills, take those abilities, take that opportunity to go out and, and, and grow with something that you have a passion for. Just because you're a woman shouldn't be, if a, if a boy, right now, I'm, you can't see my hands moving around, I've got pointing to a little boy right here. <laughs> if a boy can grow up wanting to be a priest and desiring to be a priest and understanding that they want to deliver the word of God as a priest, <laughs> there should be nothing blocking a woman from doing the same thing. And it should not be up to the Catholic Church to decide whether or not they can do that because in, if every other religion that I just read off there allows women to grow up on the altar, up on their pulpit, up on their their stage, and preach the Bible, preach the gospel, um, connect with the audience, connect with the individuals, from a, from that perspective, from a spiritual and religious perspective, they should not be sequestered by something that goes back to, like you said, the 16th century. And in, it, it just, it's, it's irritating. It, it's very, very irritating. What made you decide to write the book? May I ask that? Oh, yes. Uh, well, at first, of course, I was really upset with the church, and then I thought, this isn't getting me anywhere. And I thought, this isn't right for any other woman. I want them to know the true story, that their church has this history, and, and it's fascinating that this is the period, the early Christianity, that their hierarchy will never acknowledge but it was to get this word out to everyday women that yes, there were women priests, bishops, uh, deacons within the past history, and of course, Mary, Mother of God herself, was a woman priest. And I think that it's more than enough time, centuries have elapsed, that uh, as a woman in the Catholic Church, you deserve not only your equality, which you, we've been robbed of, we as well deserve this religious heritage which was taken away from us. Uh, I happen to be Irish and say in one family, if a, um, Christopher becomes a priest, uh, and in another Irish family, um, Sean is maybe uh, a bishop, and, and going up further, maybe Ryan is a cardinal. But these men have this religious heritage passed down within family, within family, and of course for a woman, that is lost. And if I could just before, I don't want to forget this, Mary, Mother of God's title was removed. Back in 1926, John Vinsgaard wondered why all of a sudden uh, they didn't want devotion to Mary Priest, the hierarchy. And he said there were other woman denominations within their church denominations. They wanted to be woman priest. So the Catholic Church, this was under, really underhanded. They had uh, a Roman official run a little newspaper article. And in there, the wording was, uh, they were thanking this uh, news uh, man for his article. And it's best that we put this question to sleep. And it's a question that the uh, average everyday person wouldn't understand. Well. All I can see is it's a disgrace. You've brought Mary, Mother of God, down to a question, a question that you are going to put to sleep. Um, any woman that loves Mary, Mother of God, um, this is just a disgrace. And uh, again, here's a whole other subject that you never heard this story. And I guess the nerve of these men to do that to Jesus' mother. And yet there doesn't seem to be any fear. 
Yeah, you would think that um, the fact that it uh, it was Jesus's mother that it would give her a little more credence to her religious <laughs> connection. <laughs> oh. You know, her connection to God is like a yeah. There seems to me that's a pretty direct line. <laughs> <laughs> I would also. Yeah, so you would think, right? Well, it's it it the book itself i think is a, i've not had the opportunity to to read it completely i've read the chapter that you had, that you had put up on your website which other people can go read as well i am re going to read that the book when i i take a break in december so come december i get to relax oh, a little okay. bit oh okay i think you yeah you're going to really see the catholic church like you've never seen it before you know it's it's well like i said my opinion of the catholic church changed dramatically and you know i i feel that overall i think society is unfortunately going back to a time that um i i, I call it i grew up this way i grew up with a single my mother my father died when i was 15 16 years old so my, I grew up with a with a single mother up until she met my stepfather, and when she met him, I was nineteen years old. So between the age of eight and nineteen, because my parents were split, you know, it was a single mother growing up in the sixties and the or the seventies, excuse me, and in in the eighties, early eighties, because she didn't meet him until the eighties. Um, so realistically, uh, I I have a a, a compassion. And understanding that my mother raised three kids in a mm -hmm. time when women were suppressed, you were you know, you can only work as a secretary or a a, a server, a you know waitress, or you right. were limited on what you can do. There wasn't you know a CEO jobs, there wasn't executive jobs. It was always a lo a lower section of jobs, and and you were limited in that. So you couldn't go out. You had to really really bust your butt forgive me, but in order to, to try to provide for your family in, in that era, in that oh, time. Oh, yeah, period. very limited, yes. So, you know, watching that and understanding that, I wholeheartedly believe, and, and of course, my, I, we empower our daughters to understand that you are, you are a, a person, you are a human being that belongs in this society, and you should have equal rights as to everyone else that's here. Where I'm, I'm very proactive in that in all regards. Oh, I feel I, that that's so refreshing <laughs> to hear. I mean, it's not said enough. It is not. I mean, we're all human beings, and you know, we all we all are equal. We are not. There is no separation. And I I see a, a unfortunate pattern going backwards in time, and especially when it deals with women's rights and what they have and what they can do and so forth. It's going back to a time. If you're going to see me get, I don't want to. I don't want to express anger, but you see a time going. We've gone back fifty years or more in the oh, current yeah. in the current situation that we're in right now, and my daughters are, are going to continue to grow up in that unless things change, where they are continuously suppressing women, and they're pushing them down again, because for for why I, I don't I don't quite understand why that they're going back in time with that regard. But I feel that that you as a woman, my daughters, our daughters, my my, my wife and you know and I's daughters, uh, my wife, my sister, you know, anybody that's out there that is a woman should have the right and the ability to control their own future, whatever it happens to be. And that they should not be told or or put upon to think that they're they're less than. It's not a I'm the boss and you're not. It's equal across the board. And they should be able to pursue their happiness in whatever form that they feel it is, which if they want to become a priest, let them become a priest. If they feel that that's their calling, why can't they have that calling? They can have that calling like just like a man can have that calling. And if you feel that strongly about that calling, you should be given the opportunity and the availability to accomplish that calling. Yeah, and what is their crime? Answering God's call to them. That's their crime. They're, exactly. Then they're excommunicated. Yes. Uh, and there is a Roman Catholic woman priest, USA. There's about 261 women now that have been officially ordained 
back in the Danube River, uh, back in 2002, there was a regular Catholic bishop, but this had to be kept secret. It was done on a boat because he would have been, you know, kicked out of the priesthood. He ordained several women that wanted, Catholic women that wanted to be priests. Those of them that wanted to go on to be bishops came back the next year. But what that means is, for those that were ordained as bishops, the apostolic succession that goes back to the early apostles, they have that. So now these woman bishops can ordain other woman priests, woman bishops. And through my podcast, it's fascinating. I'm hearing about all these independent um, churches and Many of them have like a Catholic background. They were originally Catholic. And of course, their big dispute is with the Pope, having the one person having all the power, and as well not having allowing women to, uh, to be priests. And um, there's an Irish uh, Catholic uh, Celtic church spirituality. Um, uh, that's really neat. And, you know, there's just so many different ones. And all of these women, whether it's Father Anne, who now is a Roman Catholic priest, she went through Roman Catholic woman priest, or a Reverend um, Shannon Sturinger, um, cool. they all have a really interesting story to tell. And I just want to thank you, Michael. And for the women out there, there is hope, but it's going to take the laity. Why isn't our church ever held accountable. All you need to do is send a postcard to Rome. In 1976, you said, woman, there's no biblical reason to prevent women from being ordained. Why hasn't that happened? That's a good idea. It's a very good idea. I mean, idea. if they had, if every single Catholic that would hear my voice, wherever this is going, I mean, seriously, would mm -hmm. send a postcard to Rome and, and ask that. They are gonna, in the yeah. driver's seat. They can deny, oh, there's no woman priest. They're not hounded by the press. And then they, they, they play all, all these other Catholics that have never, unfortunately, been fortunate enough to see this biblical research. They see me picking, picketing or other woman. And <laughs> we're like heathens. Where is this information? Where is it at? Uh, it, we're in the Bible. Is it? Oh, no, it's biblical research. Well, forget it. It's not in the Bible. And, uh, you know, they basically tell you to get lost. Go to that other ch church. <laughs> it's you ridiculous. Even, well, you that, that's your kickback. Yeah, if you get, that's your kickback coming back. That's because they're afraid. I think they're afraid to, to let that happen for whatever reason. I, I just, still blows me away. Uh, we could talk for another hour more. Margaret, we could, I really, we could keep doing this. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about your, the, your radical truth. Your, you have a website. And, uh, yes, uh, yourradicaltruth.com, yourradicaltruth.com. And if you go over to Apple Podcasts or different on, on the podcast circuit, I have uh, my own podcast show, Your Radical Truth Podcast. And I think you'll really find it fascinating because all these uh, different women priests, I'm going to be having a, uh, a man um, bishop, a male bishop on. Uh, you'll be hearing him. I think it's very important to get the men's uh, side of this issue in too. So if you're out there, whether you're a Catholic woman, uh, a man, um, just really try to understand this issue and would you want your like you were even alluding to, Michael, whether it's your daughters, whether it's your sister, your aunt, whoever, uh, women today should simply should not be treated this way, and they have every right to be Catholic priests like they were originally, but the hierarchy is not divulging the truth on this. And they can read about that in Scandal in the Shadows, your book, and you can find a link to that on your website as well. And I'll make sure that a link to your website are in the, is in the show notes so that uh, it'll make it easy for you all to just click on the link and it'll take you right there to see Margaret Mary 
book, her and her podcast and everything else she has to offer. Um, Margaret, thank you very much for sharing your journey with me and for having this discussion, this open and honest discussion. I really appreciate what you are doing for, for the world in, in this regard. Thank you for contributing to that, that movement to move things forward. I know there's a petition on your site as well. So when you guys would go to Oh, yes. I'd like a, you, if you have a chance, just you know, look it over if there's something there that you agree with. Uh, I really believe the picture of Mary, Mother of God, um, the Pope should allow that to be hung in churches as well as, you know, bringing the truth out uh, on this mm -hmm. issue. And it's certainly been a pleasure, Michael. Thank you so much. Uh, I oh, thank you. Um, this is one more thing before we go. And um, one more thing before we go. Do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share? Yes, I really believe if no matter what your convictions are, if you have the truth behind you, um, you can really speak from the heart. And uh, that, that's what I'm doing. I have the truth behind me, and I'm just trying to uh, let any woman or any Catholic listener understand this other side of the truth. And that's my whole concept of my podcast, Your Radical Truth Podcast, is to look at the radically wonderful other side of an issue and i wish you keep an open mind and an open heart and open eyes so thank you very much those amazing words of wisdom i really appreciate that again margaret i appreciate you coming on the show thank you for us connecting i appreciate the universe connecting us and uh thank you, i look Michael. forward maybe to another conversation with you down the road sounds good one more thing before you all go have a great day have a great week and thank you for listening Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.